0: Hello, good people, and welcome to The Amateur Hour. My name is Justin. My name's Tyler. Hello, and we're back, you lovely, beautiful amateurs out there. Welcome back to another more updated episode, because yes, we were catching up, you already got the update. You already know what's been down. All right, we've talked about this 8 million times, so we're going to continue on for today, okay? First off, we want to thank our sponsors off the rip. Thank you guys, you're absolutely fantastic, and especially getting closer towards the end of the year. Uh, we're very thankful for you guys, just, uh, you know, sort of shouting us out for the whole year. I hope you you guys uh, have seen a few amateurs, or a few amateurs went by. Uh, and, uh, yeah, always great to have a, a nice sponsor. I'm going to stop saying, uh, now, okay? Jeez. <laughs> but a lot of things have kind of been happening. Uh, we've been talking video games, uh, a lot of video games pretty recently. Uh, I guess something that I will probably, actually, I was going to talk about off the rip, but we'll, we'll save it. First off, uh, one thing is we've been diving into like the campaign of a lot of video games, of, of which, you know, we haven't had a lot of great campaigns. Recently, you know, I, I got I gotta admit, but I mean, one thing we were discussing, Ostie, last time was the style in which we play a video game. uh We each have our own sort of unique way of enjoying a video game, and we're gonna we're gonna I want us to discuss a little further um the idea of how would you say like you know when you start a game like what's the difficulty you play on what's the experience you're sort of looking for um you know what what games attract you in terms of their campaign and what sort of determines a great campaign for you so i mean i guess we'll start with you first ostie you know what is the experience of a campaign that you're looking for what difficulties do you play on go <laughs>
1: um well for uh, me, I don't really... Uh, I'm more casual when it comes to, like, a campaign. I'm mainly in it for the story. So, for example, like, I my first uh, games that, like, got me into Xbox gaming were the Gears of War series. And they have, you know... The hardest difficulty is pretty hard. But I, for me, I just would prefer like, a lower tier, like, middle of the ground, like, kind of difficult, not too bad. And so that's how I, like, started out with Gears of War. I played it with my uncle. And like, I'm, like, so focused on the story, like, I if I, like, try say, to do, like, the hardest difficulty on a game, and I'm just, like, not very good, and I have to, like, keep replaying over and over and over again, I just get frustrated, because I'm, like, I just want to get onto the story, man. Like, want to see what's going on with Dom like they find his wife like all this stuff you know like uh, I would uh, I'm more of like a you know, medium like normal mode I guess it's what they usually call it in most games a normal mode now there's some games like uh, for example my favorite series is Fire Emblem uh, those games I like to first play through I like to play on like normal or easy mode just so i can get through the story and see the story hear the story and after that then i'm like all right now i want to ramp up the difficulty and uh play on like the hardest mo- difficulty to see if i can do it and um and at that point because it's like a fire emblem is like a big game of chess in my eyes and so it gets kind of like strategic and challenging and like you think and i kind of enjoy it because i can like sit down for an hour and then boom uh play a map it's all strategic the brain juice is flowing um yeah no i i'm i i would say more of a uh or more focused on the story than the overall difficult about uh how about you justin i think for me yeah i mean there's a lot that sort of
0: goes into what is a good campaign right like I mean, you got the the writing itself, right? You got the length of a game, like the campaign. Um sometimes like even how would you say? i I think that, you know, despite the the length and everything else, another important thing for me would be, you know, sometimes it's like the choices you can make uh, in a campaign. and granted, not every game's gonna sort of give you those options or, you know, um, in order to, to sort of complete a game, you're not going to have the options of, like, oh, am I going to choose good? Am I going to choose evil? Like, uh, it's I think that a game could also be good linear. So, I mean, I think first things first is, like, when I play a campaign experience, so oftentimes if I'm playing normally like a cooperative game, like, I'm just hopping straight into the highest difficulty I can uh and and a lot of the reason is is because it's like i want to feel challenged as well uh sometimes like y- y- cuz i don't know what it is but feeling rewarded when like you're fighting a, a boss in a game for example like after 3 hours or something like one game that i i can remember in particular i was playing with uh, a friend of mine we we're playing this game called um i think it's uh, rev revenant i think yeah, um, and it's sort of like a Souls game. I mean, everyone knows Elden Ring, but Revenant is, is such an awesome game, but it's a Souls game, except the only difference with with uh, the melee sort of uh, option is it's kind of not there. It's like mainly guns, and, and it's like this weird sort of universe that they have set out. But that game, again, it's a Souls game, And we played it on, like, the second hardest difficulty uh, that they allowed us to. And um, it was our first time playing it. But those boss battles, I mean, they lasted, like, three hours. It took for me and Eric sometimes to to sort of get uh, the completion of it. Because, like, one swipe and, like, your character's dead. And the health bar of the enemy is, like, super long and... It was just, and sometimes like going through certain dungeons or certain sections of the game, you're like these, uh, even the regular characters, right? Like you're getting one tapped. But I would tell you what, after like three hours of a headache in terms of like the boss battle or going through a dungeon at a time, when we would complete it, like the feeling of relief, like, oh man, (laughs) like we'd be so happy afterward i remember like we would play and it was like normally towards the end of night because we knew we like it took us like a couple hours to get through like maybe we would play like five hours uh just before like maybe 12 or something and then somehow we'd hit like 12 o'clock and then we're we end up fighting a boss battle and we would end to like three in the morning. And we were just like so tired at that at that point, like just so exhausted from playing the game, that you know every time we beat a boss, we're like, all right, like we're we're excited and everything. We're like, now we can go to bed, dude. Let's save it. <laughs> we go to sleep, and then we come back and we we attack it the next day. Um, so you know, it just sort of it it I don't know. It opened for some some exciting features in terms of that difficulty. It's like you know, that reward for putting in the time, it definitely feels there to be like, you know, to hear somebody like, yeah, I played the game on normal. And you're like, eh, I played it on extreme or like, you know, or I, paid, I played it on insane, whatever, hard or expert, like whatever difficulty you sort of get that, you know, the bragging rights of saying that you completed a game on a more difficult setting back then, They used to always give an achievement, um, and what I've noticed now, though, which kind of makes me a little sad, is, like, most video games, like, they don't reward you for beating the game on a particular difficulty. Like, currently right now, though, um, I'm running through the game Resident Evil 5, and I'm running through it with a buddy, and we're gonna beat it on every single difficulty, um, to get the achievements. Cause like back then they had achievement for easy completing the game on normal, you know, and then hard and then expert. So we're going to run through and just play it entirely and kind of just achievement hunt for that second, you know, and get that reward. But ultimately for me, um, so like, that's kind of like how I like to experience like cooperative games, mainly is like kind of tackling the hardest difficulty. Cause it's two people, And sometimes when you play, like, these two-player cooperative campaign games, it's just so easy to, like, beat it with one other person. Now, to that point, though, playing all the time on a hard difficulty with certain games isn't always the best because you're kind of missing out on some story beats, you know? Um, And so some games, and I I know that you're kind of this way too, Austin, is like, Some games you just like to play normal because you want to be able to experience that campaign without having like the frustration and all that stuff, uh, kind of take you out of the story because you're just so focused on trying
2: to complete it, trying to complete it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sort of the same way for that. It, it, it mostly gets dictated by the game you're playing. Like, Say I'm playing Far Cry, and maybe I'm doing co-op with a friend online. Typically, I would turn the difficulty up, because you're not playing with bots, you're playing with people that have legit skill level, so you have to have some sort of a challenge. But then, you know, let's say I'm playing in single player, I usually go to normal or lower difficulty So I can absorb more of the story. Because for me, sometimes it's sitting back on the couch, turning the graphics settings all the way up so it looks as good as possible, and then just going through the story and just getting every bit that you can get. Whereas, like, a perfect example is uh, Fallout 4. I actually, the first time I played it, I immediately went on Google and looked up the command to put it in the God mode. And I went through the entire story. I did everything you could do on the map. And I did it all in God mode where you couldn't die. You didn't have to do things six, seven, eight times over again because you kept dying. You were able to listen to all the scripts and everything went went through. But then the next time I played it, I put it... Um, I didn't even go to normal. I went to like heart or something. So then I could go through all the actual combat and get like the whole second view of it. But for... For major story games, like single-play story games, yeah, sometimes I'll just put it straight in the god mode where I can't even die. The game isn't hard, but I'm playing it for the story. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like I said, I'm I'm really waiting to get Far Cry 6, but that's one that I'm going to see if I have someone I can co-op with, and I'm going to be turning the difficulty like all the way up.
0: Yeah that definitely is like a, a unique perspective. I mean, I haven't heard of like many people wanting to play in that particular style, right? Like in terms of like a God mode, but
2: in, it really depends I, on the game. Like, yeah. like Fallout four is probably, it's really hard to pick a favorite, but it's at the top of the list for sure. And there's so much detail in that game that you would miss even if playing on normal difficulty, like I've noticed just playing from from God mode and then switching just to normal gameplay. You don't see half the story when you're doing it that way because you die and maybe you spawn at a different spot or you go back to your checkpoint and you take a different route through a building. So it's like you miss so much opportunity. You can't like explore all the different parts because now all of a sudden you killed the boss and it automatically loads you to the next scene when you didn't even get to finish exploring Yeah, so it's stuff like that. You gotta, there's certain games you just have to soak it in, and then there's games like Minecraft where the you can pick a difficulty level, but actually the difficulty level adapts as the game goes throughout. Like on Minecraft, when you're playing and there's you're out at night and there's no moon, there'll be like no mobs or anything, but then let's say you're out at night and it's a full moon and there's a, a rainstorm that's when mobs start getting struck by lightning and there's already ten times more because it's a full moon and then they get, um, you know, they get, when they get struck by lightning, they get turned into a different type of mob that's more dangerous and it's just, games like that, you have to let the game kind of adapt to the difficulty for you. Otherwise, it's dependent on the game, you don't even get the experience you should.
1: Yeah, I, uh, Oh, I I can understand like the god mode thing. Like I feel I feel like it reminds me of uh back in the day in like GTA 4 or GTA San Andreas and like put getting the cheat, putting in cheats and stuff. Like that's what that kind of makes me think of and like how much fun that was. So I can understand like wanting to play in that way cuz it's like it's fun like so you can be like super overpowered so you can like get like some in a lot of games there's like you have to say finish this chapter without dying to get a specific type of ending or you have to do all of these certain things throughout the game like i know for me um for some of the fire emblem games there's like certain you have to like you have to beat a game uh maps in so many turns or you have to have your characters a certain level to uh to unlock this chapter and stuff like that. And so, like, if I put you play on a super hard difficulty, sure. you miss out on some of that stuff. And if you play on an easier difficulty, it's much easier. And if you have the option for like a cheat code stuff like that, like you also have that option. So I, I think most people like I don't know if this is this uh case for you tyler but i think like a lot of people probably if they do that they do it like their first playthrough and then mm-hmm. after that it's kind of like i've seen all of it now i'm like, can immerse myself in the gameplay itself
2: right um, yeah i think another good example is probably gta 5 because mm-hmm. those missions all of the big missions you're you have options Like, you can select different ways to do the mission with different people. And then even at the end of the game, you can decide to kill this character or this character. So it's like, stuff like that, you always want to lower the difficulty to make the game more of a story. Just so you can try the different options. But then, like, the last time you play the game, it's like, okay, you know everything. There's nothing else to learn. So now I just want to turn it all the way up and see how good i really am
1: (laughs) yeah yeah like for me for example like all the call of duty um campaigns i usually play on like either the easiest difficulty or like the normal mode because i honestly like the thing that makes the uh call of duty campaigns good mainly the modern warfare series isn't like the gameplay itself necessarily i think it's most people enjoy it for like the story and the characters involved in it because like there's nothing super crazy uh uh, inventive or creative in a lot of them it's like go you get into an area you got to kill all these guys might be someplace you got to get to there's like checkpoints throughout the map um that's pretty much it. Obviously, there's like a few ma- few missions uh, like uh, in 4, where you're in the ghillie suit in uh, Chernobyl. Those are kind of those, like those missions are like the no Russian mission for Modern Warfare 2 that are like I- iconic, whether that's good or bad, but for the most part, like all about the story. So for me, I always played those kind of games like easy or medium so i could get the story get all like the special stuff so i could get the best ending possible yeah i mean i think that you know
0: kind of sort of going back to that godmother yeah. that i think first off i want to say that i'm pretty sure that a lot of game developers and sort of people would appreciate the fact that you kind of want to go through and Comb those details so to speak you know and and actually pay attention to a lot of the dialogue I know I is now a new a novice voice actor right like starting to get into the field of, of gaming and stuff like that and I that's I, I would I would appreciate that right or even writers I could assume really appreciate that because they're sort of taking this time to sort of build out this universe and have somebody like fully explore, the entire you know game itself i think i mean not only that the
2: game is expensive like 60 dollars is your general price you know you might pay 79 or 80 bucks if you get like a deluxe edition that comes with some dlc or some special some special game perks i -hmm. mean if you're spending that kind of money i want to know every little bit of that game i want to get 100 of the experience
1: yeah yeah i agree well and i was i was just thinking about it and this could into a topic in and of itself i um i've noticed like we were, we were talking about god mode and like i've been talking about like cheat codes but like in general that kind of stuff for the most part has died like that was like a 2000s early 2010s type of thing and I think, like, I honestly, I feel like I remember going to, like, the book fair in elementary school, bringing my $10 that my mom gave me and buying a book of cheat codes yep. or for, uh, for my Game Boy Advance and having all the cheat codes. And a lot of times it wasn't, like, in a lot of them, it wasn't necessarily cheat codes. It was more, like, hints about stuff. Like, there was games where, it, like, told me, hey if you do x you get y um like i i wish game developers like hadn't gone away from that kind of stuff because i feel like it the, the replayability of a lot of games was way higher back then because you had like might play through uh for me like Tyler was saying he plays through first time he might do god mode so he can see all the story for me i was more of a i want i played through blind back then i'd play through completely blind the first time through and then after that then i would go and grab my little cheat book or go online and see okay what all did i miss and how do i do it um maybe not necessarily like truly what i missed but like hey if what, what can i do else what is like some hidden stuff that might happen how do i achieve that And then I would play through with the cheat codes, get those special things. And like, it was just kind of cool. And maybe you met, there was something else, like some games back then, if you did like two playthroughs and you beat it a third time, there was a different ending and stuff like that. And I feel like that stuff is, I feel like that stuff isn't there anymore. And I think, I'm assuming probably what these developers thought is like the cheat codes, like I'm sure they're very proud of their, work, and them, these cheat codes, were like like a, like a blemish, in a way, I'm wondering.
2: Well, uh, the cheat codes were they, were... they were never intended to be cheat codes. The reason those codes exist is for when the game was going through, like, an early access, or to be um shown for someone to make an offer on, is... You don't want to sit there for four hours to complete the whole game mm. in a conference room with people. You want to say, Hey, this is what you can do in the game. And then they have to program these certain things into it yeah. to show it, to show developers, to show, you know, the people that are testing the game, you know, they have to be able to get all the different features and test it and make sure it all works. So I, even newer games today, they still have stuff like that like the the newest game um what's the newest game i have i think far cry 5 was the newest one i completed i haven't bought a new video game in quite a while actually but there's still a way like i don't know how you do it on a console but on computer you open up like a word dialogue and you can type in different commands to do different stuff in the game. It just loads different parts manually instead of the game doing it automatically like it should. So it all still exists. It's just when you had a PlayStation 2 or something, you were like...
1: XBYYA.
2: triangle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because you didn't have keyboard mouse, so you couldn't type dialogue in.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think... And and that kind of, like, in a way adds to this point. Because I think, like at least for consoles most of that stuff doesn't exist very much anymore like there's still some of it here and there but for the most part and you know, like I, I originally yeah cheat co- the main thing cheat codes were used for was to show off uh features and games to uh potential investors or to show them to uh people higher up in like nintendo they're putting out a new mario game so they need to create cheat codes without messing with the actual script of the game, uh, to show off to, you know, the president, hey, this is where we're at. This is how far we are. This is what we've done Show them a little bit, cheat codes so they can, like, they can't die, show off a world, stuff like that. I think that, uh, like, they don't, they still do that kind of stuff, but I think that it's done like like you said through PC like all game pretty much all games are obviously made through PC so i think that like just like they they some way shape or form they allow like with far cry you can do some of this stuff on a PC but once it gets over into the console versions like you can't do any of that stuff and i think that i think that that's done because they felt like it was kind of like a blemish hey we can break your game I'm sure they probably didn't like that. But at the same time, I feel like it added a little extra spice to a lot of games, because there's a lot of games that I played, like GTA San Andreas. I wouldn't have put anywhere near as much time as I did into it if I couldn't spawn a tank and just start blowing up <laughs> everything. Um, you know, I, I,
2: The part that I always remember is... I can't remember if it was San Andreas or or the GTA before that. But it's it was going on the computer and shoot this was back when we even had like the dial-up connection. You know, you start the computer up, yeah. you hear the loud old fans, you hear the hard drive spinning up, and then you get on the internet and you hear all the weird tones and noises from the dial-up connection and you go to this sketchy-looking website cuz it's a developer page. So there's no ads, there's no there's there's nothing special on it. It just has the codes and you just control P and print the whole page out, and now you got your printer, your old printer, making all the old fax machine noises and spitting papers out. And then you get to go to your game console and you're hitting the buttons and you're like, damn it, I hit the wrong button again. I screwed it up again. And you're getting all pissed off at the controller because like it's the controller's fault that it's not working. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just that whole experience right there It was just sometimes it was like wanting to throw your controller out the window. And other times it was like, yes, I did it. And now I feel invincible because I got like the baddest weapon in the game or, you know, like or San Andreas. You have the the jet that just spawns in the middle of the road. Now you take off and blow everything up.
1: (laughs) That stuff was so much fun. There was like there was this game on the GameCube I had. It was called Army Men RTS and you were like played as little like plastic toy soldiers and your team was green and then the enemy team was ta- the, the tan is what they called them yeah and i looked up because i i could not for the life of me figure out some of this stuff like i, I was a kid back then and it I was my first game experiences and so i got the cheats and i figured there was it was yb you it spawned in a certain amount because the currency to build stuff was plastic and like uh electric i think was the other one i would just use yb ixb aya and i would just freaking give myself tons and tons and tons of plastic so then i could just build an obscene the max amount you could have of army men and then there was also like uh Vehicles like tanks, helicopters, and stuff. But I would a lot of times I would just build an entire army of like uh grenadiers, and I would just run them all straight into the base and just watch the chaos of them all just chucking grenades, blowing stuff up, getting absolutely destroyed. It was so much fun. But yeah, I it's there just there used to
2: uh, be this game on addictinggames.com. It was a bunch of monkeys and balloons would come through this, like, maze path, and they would all throw darts at them I used, there was a code that you could type into that game and just get unlimited resources and I would just put like, the most powerful version of every monkey on every corner and you would just hit go, and all of a sudden it was like chaos of popping everywhere and it's just like, yeah, you're not gonna beat me I have like three sun god monkeys up in this bitch
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that a part of the reason too that uh, sort of developers and people and, and campaigns sort of went away from you know all the cheat codes and stuff part of it is definitely first off i think that when some of these cheat codes too were developed like as their mini easter eggs right so to speak um I remember like this game uh, Punisher. It's a Marvel game, it came out for Xbox and PlayStation Two. They had like were a big head mode or whatever, where you could just like you know shoot everybody and like their heads are absolutely huge and you shoot them and they freaking it was a gory game right so like their heads pop and all that stuff, and then they had the God mode and like they definitely had a lot of fun Easter eggs for that. But I think part of it too of why these sort of developers did that. First off, there's, like, the internet, right? Like, and I feel like if they do any more cheats, it's not going to be in a cheat code book anymore, right? Like, it's going to be online. People are going to see it. Plus, like, their Easter eggs are probably a little bit more tame now, you know? Um, and it's, it's it's kind of cool that they sort of adjusted that development. And, and then also part of it is, like, you know, now with the sort of PC community and how smart everybody is and tech savvy, so to speak, um, now you have all this development of, of mods and stuff, right? Like where they're just sort of modifying the game for like fun directions and and other stuff like that. So I think that's where kind of now why cheats sort of, or cheat codes and whatnot sort of taken a back, back seat, so to speak, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, at least to sort of circle back to the topic a little bit before maybe we could discuss mods a little bit further, um, or actually before we have to go to break, is that I think that campaigns in general—they're a lot of—they can be a lot a lot of fun for a lot of video games, and I think that at least currently, right now, uh, everything has sort of taken a shift towards online gaming right like focusing on the multiplayer sort of community cuz it keeps the game alive but i i think that for campaigns like i hope that that doesn't sort of be co- take too much of a backseat and i've noticed that it really it it hasn't gotten there so at least like i think for a time for example like call of Duty's tried to develop games without a campaign and then people are like oh i kind of want the campaign back and they're like oh okay and now they sort of
2: yeah. taking the, a circle I, I around agree you know. with that. cuz it's been like some games the campaign has been a little bit lacking and you you brought up call of duty cuz there was a couple of call of duty games where the campaign was like really quick gave you the basic story and then all you could do is multiplayer and then there was another game um shoot what was it Far Cry 5 was like it a little bit because you could play all the way through the game of Far Cry 5 really quick and the story wasn't really much but fighting a, a, a battle over and over again until you'd like take over the whole area. Um And that's another one where like they don't focus you on the campaign. They let you play through the game really quick. So I, I hope that's not a forward trend where we're yeah. putting less, and less detail into the story because i mean it sometimes
0: like, it does happen you know you have a point like with the one thing that i have to admit is like open world games right like i love them right like they're so cool right like you have an immersive
2: mm-hmm. world
0: that brings you into it but sometimes i feel like it's a it, it kind of can be overbearing and too much for particular games for like example like Halo, the first Halo game, Combat Evolved, everyone knows, it it's, was sort of like this semi-open world sort of game, but not really too much. At the end of the day, it was very linear. Um, and then they developed all the other Halo campaigns, very linear storylines. Then you get to now Halo 5. And it feels like part of that game was open world for the sake of just being open world, because they can do it now but at the same token sometimes like with with games is my point it just doesn't really fit the formula 100% and you you start doing like all these like mundane sort of side objectives and it really does take you out of the story because you're like okay yeah. well i'm wandering the the game world for like ever and i'm just doing this to grind out some points and it just it,
2: it, yeah again well, it takes you out of the experience that? And then there's like the opposite effect. Like another another good example is uh, Far Cry 5. You You go through the story, you want to know every little bit. But parts of the story, you're watching like a movie scene. And some of them are actually pretty long. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, why couldn't I play through the movie scene and actually be part of the scene rather than watching an animated film and then it puts you into the next mission or whatever but then there's there's um games like gta there was very little movie scene it was like a few seconds here and there to like start a scene and then it put you straight into all the action so it's like it's hard to get that balance because sometimes the story is really good and you don't want to do the scenes But every once in a while you get that game where you feel like you're watching a movie more than you're playing a game. And then there's other games that are just like, you didn't even give me the details. Like now I have to search for the details and I'm doing this mission and I don't know half of what's going on.
0: That point is
2: the balance is hard to get.
0: That that's a honestly, that point is on point. (laughs) Because there's this one way or the other. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I really love cutscenes in video games, right? Like, I just got done playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game. By the way, I suggest anyone to play that game. Talk about a good length of a game, a good game with, like, secrets and um, a lot of uh, sort of story element to it. Fantastic. Again, in the era where, again, sort of campaign's been a little bit lacking, this has been, it's worth your money. Um, but anyway, continuing on um, there's this game called destiny right And for example, this game doesn't rely on a lot of cutscenes like they, they they have certain cutscenes like the first destiny game they had quite a few. Then as the expansion sort of released, they started dialing back and a lot of that game relies on okay I hear an audio, clip or something or somebody sort of talking over the radio like you gotta get the light uh, because you know this alien blah 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 right and it's just like you're hearing talking right you're hearing the dialogue they're making you essentially part of a scene but it's not very cinematic it's not very uh intriguing and they leave all the story up to lore right like you have to Do all the research on your own. You got to watch like a, you know, like an hour long video to kind of understand the realm of Destiny's universe, right? Like, and it's awesome because Destiny's a free-to-play game, the second one. But like, literally, that's the one thing that drew me out of the story of the game was the fact that rather than having a structured... Like, this is the story, and you're going to watch a cutscene here and there, or you're going to be playing in this very cinematic scene that's describing everything that's going on. You you don't really have that. It's just more or less, like, mundane. Do this task, do that task, do this, and listen to kind of what's happening in the background. The thing about, like, sort of taking out those cutscenes and just sort of throwing you into an action without... Too much of like this scripted cinematic section. It's literally you're just hearing a bunch of noise in the background. Like, I never really pay attention to the dialogue sometimes, or not never, but like I sometimes don't pay attention to that dialogue that's going on. In well, the sometimes you're you know? focused
2: on it, like whatever obstacle you're yeah, trying to get and, through, and you're, you're missing the story. And then these people over here are having a side conversation, or this person said some special tip. Or, you know, you're where you were supposed to be listening for this guy's name, but then you missed it. So now you're, like, trying to replay the mission so you can get that little bit of information. Because exactly. now you can't even move forward because you don't, ha- you missed that in- information. Exactly. And it's like, some games, it's like, you can't just go back a little bit to get that. You got to start from the beginning and do the whole mission over again. Like, they, yeah, there's it's always an
0: awkward balance you gotta find that balance you know And, and that's what sort of threw me out of this sort of the destiny universe i love bungie i think that destiny as a game plays well i think that the universe itself is interesting but i literally i got bored of it i got thrown out of it because it all just relies on lore and it just feels like a very empty mmo you know in my brain like at least that's for one of the things i mean if i fire you guys you know check it out for yourself if you haven't played that game but you know
2: it for me it just didn't captivate me well i, 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 like I think the what their main cinematic. goal is is to try to pull you in because there's dlc for destiny that's like yeah it costs all the expansions of the whole and... game <laughs> so it's like maybe they're luring you in and then you and you actually spend that 60 dollars. maybe the game gets a lot better well actually
0: but... so like the the gameplay experience from what i heard yeah it gets cool but you're literally playing for like all the way up for like maybe two cutscenes, the entire <laughs> sort of thing and again if you're not keeping up with the lore the expansion's like yeah okay you're fighting more bosses and stuff like that but then you're left with
2: like why did I do that again? <laughs> you know, it's just like, I, I shouldn't uh, have to research to understand why something happened. Yeah. I or think, how to get through it. The game should be telling you the story. I always like to explain
0: this in like certain levels. I feel like that the, the game should, again, like you're saying, be very straightforward, easy to understand. But then if you want to explore in more into the lore look at that it rhymed <laughs> um then you would sort of kind of do your own research right go on your own way and like i did that for halo like halo is a very linear game easy to pick up i get what the story is going on but everything in between in terms of like the aliens and all this other stuff like you know it it, it doesn't take a back seat but it leaves enough open for me to if i want to like, really dive deep into the backstory and the universe of Halo. I can do that on my own time. And I just want games to do that sort of more. Um, Dude. But, yeah.
1: That's, that's one thing. This is uh, that's probably a uh, unpopular opinion, but I hate open-world games because of the fact that I it's not very linear. Most of them, like... Um, some people really love that Breath of the Wild, the Legend of Zelda games. I hate them because I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. Even though there's like some dialogue or a cutscene or something that might tell you what you need to do. Ninety percent of the time, like on the way there, like a lot of these games have like uh, have like random encounters or along the way you'll have to fight somebody or something. By the time I Get anywhere near close where I'm supposed to go, I've completely forgotten what I'm supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah, I-, I mean, that's a pretty good point. Um, an- Far Cry 5 is another really good example. Because <laughs> if you've played Far Cry 5, there's different regions and there's basically like different leaders that you have to overcome. Well, each leader has a different story and a completely different like game style that you play but there's nothing in the game that says go here first and complete this first. You can literally go to this person and do one of these missions. You can go to the other side of the map and do one of the missions from that person. You could do it all out of order and mix it all up and the game will never make sense the whole time you play it.
1: Yeah. like uh, Like those are the games that always like frustrate me. And I usually end up no longer playing. And that I feel like for a lot of open world games, that's, uh, kind of the case like there it leaves a lot of things for you to decide when you want to do what like uh for example this new Elden Ring game you know there's like bosses all over the place and you can fight them wherever you want that would like I need something like I gotta do A and B then C dot hate it when you could do A or you could just go ahead and do the final boss if you really wanted to or you could do like you could fight this mini boss first, or you can fight the guy at the beginning of the game. That's super OP. Um, it's like I don't know. Just for me, those types of games always frustrated me, and I always ended up popping them. There's like been one or two I've ever played that I like. Was like, okay, this isn't too bad. Like I can I understand kind of the gist of what I need to do. A lot like. And in those cases, I was like, pad and paper. Okay, I need to go talk to this person who's located here. Um, and I think like the main problem for me is like not necessarily part where it's like open, but the fact that you don't don't give you a clear cut.
2: Like, yeah. Next I've, step I've actually, in the story. I've actually played games where I had a notebook. They <laughs> had to like write down different details because it's like it tells you 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 just spawned in this part of the world. And the first thing you find is like a little note mm-hmm. and nothing to tell you to go to it. You're just looking around where you spawn and all of a sudden a pops up on the screen because you're looking at a note and you press a and he picks it up. And then you're writing down like little details from different parts of that note like a person's name and stuff like that. And then it gives you like coordinates or something. So now you're like looking on the map. And the worst part is the map is grayed out because you haven't explored that part yet. Mm -hmm. So you don't know which way to go. You literally have to figure out the whole thing. So it's games like that. They're super immersive because you, well, you, you could go on Google and look up how to do it. But if you play it on your own first and you don't do any of that, like you literally have to explore an open world map to find different clues and to open up enough explored area to even begin to understand where you're supposed to go next. So I like games like that, but at the same time I can understand being completely frustrating. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? Well, for
1: me, it's like, like I feel like I'm wasting so much time trying to figure this stuff out. Like, running all over the map going going to all these different locations on the map and it's like GTA for example is open it's pretty open world and I think I love the way it does it because it's like you have the map and like it tells you stuff and then it'll have like a little marker you know it'll have an L cuz you need to go talk to Lester or uh It'll uh, have some type of marker somewhere to show you where the next piece of the story starts, and you can go there if you want. You can like do some other stuff and then go there, and from like, yeah, yeah. worlds like that where oh, they like kind the of tell you very well. Like if the open world like tells you, like gives you an icon or something that tells you, "Hey, this is where you're needing to go." I don't have as big of a problem with that. I can get into it and immersed with it. For me, whenever it's just like. A the dialogue, they kind of slip you a name and a location, and uh, then you're just left to your own devices. And if you try to go talk to the person again, they don't tell you what you're doing. They'll like give you some generic conversation. Yeah, to, like, to, that stuff frustrates me.
2: I think of... you would hate my favorite game series mm-hmm. then, because Fallout is a hundred percent like that. Well, I not really.
0: I, so I would have to be in this kind of defense here for open world games, right? Again, I I do agree that too many open world games can be too much right like and they don't always do it just well so like in terms of breath of the wild and elden ring they are very similar in the way of their exploration is unfortunately where there isn't really a given like linear objective like they tell you like i think in elden ring the objective of the game is to become an elden lord or something like that right i have it i have the game but i haven't really got time to sort of dive into it yet because i'm willing to do that cooperatively but anyway um so that game in general like you're supposed to like they, they leave you to, to your own devices right like you got to figure out how am i going to get to a to b to c like you're saying and you could run into sort of any boss at any time and sort of ruin the story but there's like open world games like i don't know the phew, man i get a lot uh, Ghost Recon, uh, Mass Effect, uh, like Tyler saying, uh, Fallout. Um, you have, there's so many of these games where you they sort of give you main objective, and then along the way you could run into side objectives. And at least like what I do like is when they do it right, right. They have the objectives sort of listed off in like your journal or your codex or your whatever list they name they call it um and it'll have all your objectives like side objectives like you'll have like 80 million side objectives and then write like four main objectives so there are games that sort of give you that experience and if you're ever looking into getting into like open world games i got a couple that are a little more linear i guess in your taste for those sort of particular games so there yeah. are open-world games that don't leave you to your own devices and kind of confuse the hell out of you. But then there are the ones that, that are like that. Again, like Breath of the Wild, the Elden Ring, and there's so many others, actually. Mm-hmm. I think even like the Final Fantasy games are kind of like that now, like the newer ones, Yeah, yeah. where you just kind of got to figure it out.
1: Um, yeah.
2: you know, so so I like, would like to
1: point out, I, I yeah. will say... I I do understand the appeal of those types of games because oh, yeah. you get so to build immersive. you get yeah. to build yeah you 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 get to immerse yourself really really well into it there's tons of replayability you you might beat the story of the game but there's so many other things to do and I can I can understand that because there's some games that I play that are linear and then they have extra stuff at the end to unlock characters or they have DLC where it's like other maps that are like harder than the story was or stuff like that. Like I get like that stuff open world in that case has like the best, I I think for the most part, like there's a reason Skyrim has been released on like 600 consoles at this point. Like there's just so (laughs) much to do and I get the appeal of it. And like, I think maybe if I was, you know, like high school age, had a lot of free time on my hands. I think I would enjoy it more. But just because of how busy my life schedule is now with so many things going on and juggling everything, it's, it's like it's very difficult for me to like yes. a little bit of it. Yeah. Then get a, like, By the time I'm immersed into it, say I have like four hours to play an evening. And By the time I'm two hours in, I'm like starting to get immersed. I only have two hours left to play. And then I have to restart the cycle of re-getting immersed into the game the next time I play, whether it's the next day or three days later. But the appeal of it, I can completely understand. I, I like watching Elden Ring. I could never play that game one because of the difficulty. I would get super pissed off, and two, um, like I was saying, like just like the open openness in the middle, and then there's just an end objective. Like that would frustrate me, but. Watching other people play it is so much fun.
2: I want to yeah. make one more final point for yeah, this because then we got to go to break. Open world games, everyone, there's a lot of people that like them, but there's still a lot of people that don't like them. But open world games, you you got to look at what game style you like because people see open world and they're like, oh, it's another exploration game. Wrong. Not every open-world game is an exploration game. Like GTA V. It's got a linear story. It's not an exploration game. But it's still an open-world map that you play on. But then you have other games like Fallout 4 or Tomb Raider. Those are, again, an open-world game. But they are exploration games. Where you're supposed to be looking for clues. Exploring all everything that you can. So you got to look at your game style before you jump into a game and then know if you're going to like it or not, because if you if you're, don't like exploration games and then you want to get an open world game because the last one you played was GTA, so you're thinking the next one's going to be like that because it's open world, it's not really going to work out because open world games, they go amongst many different, you know, styles of gameplay
0: yeah but with that said i mean we can talk so much about open world games and i'm sure this is a topic that we are going to revisit in terms of campaign and open worlds um but for today (laughs) still a thing but you know i mean yes so we're a ton of new games and then i think one tyler that i want a quick mention before we go to break Two, bethesda's new games freaking starfield it's going to be hopefully fingers crossed a fantastic game that we'll talk more about some other time but Wait. we got to go to a quick break and then we're going to have just a few minutes of uh some of the the new topics and sort of the the news uh newsworthy stuff for you guys And then we'll be ending the episode, okay? So stay tuned for some fantastic stuff. We're going to discuss a little bit more. Again, all video game related today, actually. Um, But with that said, enjoy this word from our sponsors. Enjoy high-octane gaming with the Grim Reaper live on Twitch. Watch the Reaper as he plays through a plethora of game titles such as Call of Duty Warzone, Call of Duty Zombies, Valorant, Minecraft and more. Join him as he competes against high competition in COD Warzone tournaments for large cash prizes. You can catch The Grim Reaper streaming Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, 6 to 11 p.m. CDT. Just search twitch.tv forward slash The Reaper. Link in the bio. Looking for a fun new way to eat popcorn? Then I have the place for you. Kelly's Kernels has 68 flavors to choose from. Try out their delicious birthday cake flavor or their cheesy cheddary flavor. If you want to go classic, the Chicago style flavor is for you. Either way, you have a wide variety of flavors to choose from, but that's not all. They offer other treats such as shaved ice, cotton candy, and mini melts. Be sure to enjoy the dine-in experience and bring the whole family. So come on down to Kelly's Kernels, where it's always poppin'. Located at 13226 Lincoln Plaza Way, Cedar Lake, Indiana. Link in the bio. And we're back from that word from our sponsors. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you guys uh been watching the Twitch streams for good old Grim Reaper. Thank you for holding out and understanding uh, that, you know, we had to kind of go on a little bit of a two-month hiatus before the end of our season I mean come on I'm sorry guys okay anyway (laughs) continuing on we have some big news in gaming uh I mean we've been talking about Sony you guys probably heard that I mean a little bit late in terms of our take but we actually recorded it on time anywho (laughs) um so you guys are probably like wondering there's a lot of game news uh we're gonna save a little bit of it right I want to talk about E3. E3 is the biggest thing that I want to get to today that I heard that Austin thought was an April Fool's joke, apparently.
1: Still <laughs> not 100% sold on it, not.
0: But E3 has been canceled. Like, what? <laughs> That's like a huge thing. Austin had just sort of filled me in that E3 has been ongoing <laughs> since 1995. Uh, and has been going every year since. And I, I don't know what I'm going
1: to do. I'll just jump off a bridge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the world is ending. <laughs> E3 is happening for the first, well, second time. I'm not counting. You know
0: what? Tonight. Because of this, I'm going to go into GTA, and I'm going to jump off a bridge
1: there. See?
0: <laughs> not harming anybody. <laughs>
1: uh, if I'm jumping in GTA before I jump off that, uh, that bridge, I'm definitely spawning a tank. And going down Main Street, but that's a
2: different one. <laughs> <That just>, uh... <laughs> Everything in the fight's going to get destroyed before I jump off this bridge. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill everybody he... else and then jump off the bridge. Before yeah.
1: I jump off this bridge <laughs> in game, I am taking every single police officer in the Los Santos GTA 5 game out. All of them. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah, <laughs> the gone.
2: I hey, or, uh... You're going to get three stars and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah, I'm going to uh, get three stars and one of them's going to crawl on top of my tank and pull me out of it. Just put a, a, a modded nuke
0: in the game and just wipe the server. Uh... <laughs>
1: <That>
0: would... <laughs> but anyway, back to A3.
2: <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> we, like, that's super sad. I mean, also, we are talking about this idea over break of... Like, the, you know, E3 has been such a staple and such a, a thing where that's where you got a lot of your new game news, right? Not essentially like, oh, the new game coming out, but it was like, you know, when you heard rumors of the game coming out, right? Like, there was, you kind of knew it was confirmation, but then you get the video of, like, a God of War. Or you get a video of, uh, I don't know, like... Freaking anthem, for example, <laughs> the game that failed horribly, but it was so fantastic getting it at E three and you're seeing the cinematic and you're getting the hype and the little taste of the game that is nothing like the game that came out, but you loved, you know, seeing it anyway. I I think that's it's kind of crazy to literally have E three canceled. As I mean, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic. Or I don't know the specifics. I know they did mention, right? Um, I guess I kind of do know the specifics. Take that back. They said that they sort of want to re-energize, right? And rethink how they sort of portray E3 uh, for the next coming years. Because they want to make it exciting. They want to make it a good experience. Yeah and granted because the pandemic right like you're probably only limited to a certain amount of people there but then again there's concerts going so maybe not I don't know what the whole situation is but I think that it is good in a way that they're sort of going back you know going to the drawing board wanting to just sort of figure out a way of just re-energizing the people because I'm not gonna lie, some of the E3s that I was I was talking about this a little earlier is like just been a little cringy.
2: <laughs> like some well, of the E3 like interviews are just super awkward. Like Go we ahead. discussed earlier, everyone does their own like game release kind of show now, like Xbox and Sony. It's like they release it here and then they release it again in E3 or whatever. So it's like yeah i i suppose if they want to go back and make it more interesting more you know this is what xbox did but this is why you should still come to e3 you know they don't want it to feel like the same thing over and over again yeah well I and understand making that decision
1: yeah well back in the day you're we talking a little bit about it during the break but back in the day um e3 was like the big release for all of these companies playstation nintendo um uh sega uh all of these atari i guess i don't know if atari was around when e3 but all of these companies that's where they released all gameplay footage of their games and then throughout the year you would like kind of hear rumbles about games or they would say hey we're making a new we're making this game but you wouldn't see anything until e3 and then They would all, like, use that as their, like, release trailers for games, um, first sneak peeks into games.
2: Yeah, now we have the internet that has way too much on it and all the fake trailers and everything like that. So, like... Oh, not only that,
1: but also, like, Nintendo does their Nintendo Directs. Right. And they go ahead and they do their own, like, they do their own little release of it. So it takes a lot of the, like, the... Uh, fun out of E3 because...
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If everyone's doing their own Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft Mm -hmm. if they're all doing their own thing E3 is like, is is it they gotta do something to make it not repetitious or boring because it's like, is it old news by the time E3 comes around? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if... I
1: was gonna say and I don't know if like the solution to that is if I was them, like my thought process would be, go to these companies, and make some type of deal with them to certain titles for uh, their games. So, like Xbox, for example, instead of doing like an Xbox uh, sh- showcase for Forza, they just announced that there will be a new Forza game and. E three gets the rights to the exclusive release of the trailer, um, or, or uh, with Nintendo they make some type of deal with them where um, new the new Pokemon game for example there's Scarlet and Violet the new Pokemon game that's coming out in this year. If they had they approach Nintendo and be like, hey, we want to be the ones to we want you to release your trailer and gameplay for this game. At our uh, E3 convention. What, can, what do we got to do to get this to happen? Like, otherwise, there's no point in having E3. I don't know what they could do to make it more interesting. Because if all the main pull for E3 was all these video game companies coming together in one place, doing this big showcase of all the stuff that they've been doing since the last E3, and now that they have their own thing, like. It just takes a lot of the, a lot of the glamour out of E3.
0: Well, and and sort of to your, to you know to that sort of um, position is like, I think that it, it E3 itself, right, like uh, is kind of like, and I was sort of comparing this a little earlier on a break. It was like, it's it's now it's it's like a Comic Con, right? It, you kind of go there. It's, it's in a huge event space, right? Like they have their sort of main stage and then they have all these sort of sub-stages and exhibitions where like you're able to look and, and, and explore and like, I don't know if like, I think trial like game demos and stuff like that. Very similar to kind of like Comic-Con, like you're walking around Comic-Con, right? You, they have all these different exhibitions, booths, things you can sort of interact with and it's sort of that culmination uh, uh, of like just collaborative effort of like all things geeky for Comic Con and I, I, at least I, that's what if, for what I'm aware in terms of E3 like that's what it kind of is Is like it's not just the main stage event it's the sort of sub exhibitors that you can go and you can look and you can sort of again play demos for games see the new Oculus Rift or something like that I think that you know, E three can still happen. I I it it's very necessary, I think, maybe for like Sony and, and Xbox to sort of have their own thing to announce certain things because it's like E three well, is only are. one time They're a year, right? And too, if they would know. save their their how would you say um man, what's it what's the word of if they would save like all of their new releases for E three, I can see how
2: that's Hardy. tough,
0: right? And so to sort of host their own events and release all the information when they want, I think is very necessary for these sort of companies to do. But again, like I think if you look at E3 as this Comic-Con and this sort of just event space for people to sort of get together and celebrate all things gaming, maybe if they just, rather than it being a showcase of like the new things to come, just be a gathering you know uh and again maybe just focusing on more of that celebration element of things and and just gathering i
1: don't know i'm wondering uh i think one thing that might be an option for them would be uh also to maybe have like like some type of because you know some people video game collectors this wouldn't solve all their problems video game collectors really love to have like all the prints of certain games, right? So I wonder if making some type of deal where there's like a certain print of like certain games that comes out or E3 some there's a, a release of a game at E3 or something like that would be so, kind of cool. Yeah, and then yeah. also cuz like for me like the the different uh one thing I love about video games is like the art, the artwork on the the game cases. Like because there's like so many different like just if like you know because you get your North American release, your European release, and your uh, usually like Japanese Asian release of games, and they like all have their like own little bitty twists and turns on the cover that it's like it makes them all unique and it's kind of cool. And I think if E three were able to get some type of situation where uh they have like an exclusive cover that says e3 copy or something like that because one that'll those games will have more value so collectors will want them they're they're only released at e3 two it'll be like a cool draw for collectors in general um i Going into that, I also think, I did, now granted, I've never been to E3, so I don't know if this is something that already happens. But for in my thought, one of the things that could help is to, like, you know, obviously you have your showcase type thing you where you they show off all the games, the gameplay. They have their areas where Xbox, you can play demos of certain games and Oculus, all that stuff like one thing like i think maybe to like tie into all that is just in general make it just a gaming experience instead of just like a showcase uh just like a gaming convention in general so you have your like like i said your showcases where you show off all the stuff and you can play demos but also having booths for these like all these companies to come in and sell like games, whether that's new releases like i was talking about with like special covers or not special covers and also having like retro stuff like if you could get xbox to have like their own like their they have their booth and they just have like a secondary like little area where they have all these games set out for like all their old consoles where they're like you can buy them and stuff like that like of turning it into a multi-layered experience where it's not just like a you go and watch and you like look at all these booths there's also like you can come back with your own pieces of things you can come back with your own you can go there uh if you're not necessarily interested in like new releases you can still go there and buy a bunch of old video games um and uh or like all kinds of different experiences like add more layers to what's going on because then it it won't just be considered people won't just think of it as like oh well why am i going to this convention? i've already seen gameplay in a nintendo direct for the new pokemon game it's like well they might show they're going to show you a little bit different gameplay but also you might have it like there might be there's like a game being released that nintendo's exclusively re- 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 exclusively releasing like certain special edition copy of only at e3 like how cool is that or they're doing like some cool event that somebody could win something really awesome at like i think that they if they just put more layers to the event i think that they could uh it would recreate that interest for a lot of people
0: yeah i agree I mean, in, in sort of, uh, you did mention Nint- Nintendo, and for the for the sake of time here, I, I think you make valid points for E three, and let's let's hope that they come with the new energy and sort of uh, hire me. I'll re- give you yeah, the flame of of you know interest and just do something new. Um, but you were talking about Nintendo, and there's some at least d- news that had sort of passed that we kind of at least wanted to briefly mention and discuss, uh, and that was something new with uh, Nintendo buying some company?
1: Yeah, so um, this happened, I think, it was about a month ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but, you know... Sony was bought Bungie and uh, Xbox bought Activision. And when all that stuff was going on, we talked about it and it was big news underneath all of that. Nintendo bought a company and it's just called system research and development. And they've worked together with them since 1983. So this has like a really close partnership that they've had. Now that being said, this company has never made their own game. They only assist on development of games. I th- they've assisted on like the Donkey Kong games, I believe, um, just like random games here and there. So it's nowhere near the scale of what Sony and Xbox has done. But in my opinion, I'm pretty. I think probably the reason that Nintendo bought this company is because. One of those other companies reached out and talked. Were buying them out because they've done a lot of work. They just don't make their own games. So, like an Activision or an Xbox, Activision, you know, Activision has its like own little smaller uh, development studios that like just assist with games. Like that would be something that Xbox would probably be interested in. Call of Duty, because, you no, know, with call with how excruciating and tough it is making those games every year, which they might not be doing anymore, but the more studios you can get helping you with stuff, the better. Um so that's so it's not is it really that big of a deal? No. But I think Nintendo had to do it so they didn't lose a very long time partner.
0: Yeah, I mean, um and then you mentioned as well that they're sort of developing some new Pokemon games in the vein of, like, Ruby and all that.
1: Yeah, it's like... Uh, so, in January, Pokemon... Uh, Nintendo released their new Pokemon Arceus, which is like a... Uh, Legends of Ar- Arce- Arceus? I don't know how you say it. Um, Which is like an open-world uh, Pokemon game, and it's, like, been a big hit. And we don't know much about these games yet, but they did announce their most recent uh nintendo direct that in holiday season 2022 they're gonna come out with the new inline pokemon games and they're gonna be called scarlet and violet um showed what the starters will look like um uh and like they're 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 cool um nothing too crazy i it'll be more interesting to see what they evolve into i think a lot, uh with the starters like there's only so many ways they can go at this point like there's i think there's a cat again and they've like used cats quite a few times um and people were kind of like oh gosh but overall they look cool um my main thing is i'm just curious are is it going to be like the old pokemon games where it's like you know go from route to route go through the gyms as you go or are they going to Use the success of this legends of Arceus game how much people have enjoyed it and make a mainline pokemon experience this open world which would be very interesting and very uh nice breath of fresh air i think for pokemon fans i'm sure i'm not crazy big into it i buy all the games for collecting purposes but i don't really play them that much so um it'll be interesting hopefully we get new new, more news about that stuff soon yeah Um,
0: i've heard a little bit about that uh latest pokemon game and how it kind of had its open world where in terms of like you're i don't know if it's like a custom character or um if it's just following like a new character or something like that but it seemed pretty cool and it seemed very interesting because like I'm used to seeing that sort of 2D Pokemon game, you know, where you're just mm-hmm. like uh, walking around through some grass and now it's like you can actually see the tall grass and sort of 3D. I know that the one aspect that some people had like a little bit of issue in terms of like the review of the game was that just some of the like background elements and stuff like that felt a little empty. But I'm sure that yeah. with their main Pokemon games, that that's something that they could sort of take into account and hopefully develop a lot better.
1: Well, I think just in general, um, the all of the Pokemon games that have come out on the Switch, I I think that uh, uh, you know this this all the Switch games are their first like real, real jump into like real 3D and like making the characters more like before it was like pixel art and then then they went into like the 3ds version where it was like kind of 3d but it was like a miniature little guy uh chibi i think is the name of that kind of animation but now they're like really getting into like true animation and so i think that they're running into the same issue a lot of games are having where they have these deadlines like there has to be a pokemon game every year and um So they don't have the time to like really fill out the background. Um, Almost every single one of the uh, switch releases for uh, Pokemon have all had that complaint that it's fun, but like the world around, it's just so empty. Um, I think, I don't know. Maybe that's something that they fix with this game. They've made four games on the switch. Maybe they've got their sea legs on them.
0: That's always sort of room for improvement,
1: oh. Oh. and I think a lot of people Pokemon thankfully like it's like a complaint for people, but it's not like a game killer for most people because it's like whole the whole Pokemon premise. I think always like that core gameplay mechanics and stuff like people just enjoy that so much. I don't think that you're going to lose like a ton of fans or anything by any means, but I think that it is something that probably they need to put some some dollars into, be getting a little bit better at at least making it less empty than it does look because sometimes it's like, why do you have houses back here if we can't go to them or uh, stuff like that? Like, um, I'm curious to see how they this game looks if they just continue on their same path on the Switch, or if they try to be more inventive?
2: Yeah, I think that's like a problem that a lot of games have. Is like you said earlier, we have to have a game out every year. Yeah, that, that's I a mean, a why huge thing going on right now is like just. I would like, rather like GTA. I'm I'm on. ready for GTA Six. It needs to come out. Yeah, like at just... this point, it's been too long. But at the same time, GTA doesn't get a yearly release and when they do release a new one it's usually really damn good so it's like in a way it's it for for all the games that don't have a yearly release it's been worth the wait entirely yeah
0: i mean there's a lot of game developers right now sort of uh i mean i um, get it there's under... competition Thing, yeah, you know? but they're like under burnout you know because all these corporate heads are just wanting game 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 and you know with new they want technolog- money 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 you know with techn- technological <laughs> sort of development there's a lot of now new things that they have to work with like yeah they can make these games stunning and great and awesome graphics and but they need the time to be able to pour into like all of the coding and all the literally all the sort of stuff that is very detailed and meticulous in ways and you know companies aren't sort of but you know that's sort of a topic for another time with GTA 6 I do have to quickly mention uh, I'm kind of lost in, in terms of the hype for another GTA because GTA 5's been around too long and at this point I don't care anymore but with that said <laughs> um, we are close to time and I don't want to extend this longer than what it needs to be and, you know, what? we might pick this topic up because, you know, game, you know, burnout, developer burnout is something that's very serious and sort of going around recently. And hopefully, um, you know, companies are seeing the repercussions and will cater to that sort of uh, burnout now. But we'll, again, a topic for another time that we definitely are going to discuss. And with that said, you know, you guys... Thank you for always listening. We lo- love that you guys have her back again. As I mentioned in, in the update a few episodes ago, um, I w- we'll be doing this even if we had two followers. Like We just love being able to talk to you guys, give our opinions, and sort of uh, just speak and, and give so- some sort of content for people to watch or listen to. Um, again, thank you so much. We're on available on five different platforms. So please, wherever you found us, don't be afraid to choose and select the platform of your choice that you're most comfortable with.